You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Solar A Energy, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, and Wattwatches, providing super smart devices to monitor and manage energy use. Hello and welcome to this episode of Energy Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy. Well, it's the second week of September and there's an awful lot of happening. Uh, We don't this week have David Leach. He's taken his Lycra and his bicycle and his credit card and is enjoying uh, all the best that uh, the Moselle Valley in Germany and France has to offer. But there's certainly a lot happening in Australia. Not only do we have the contrast between the federal government and the state governments in Canberra, they've basically decided that they're not going to do anything on climate or energy policy, yet we are seeing some remarkable developments in Victoria and South Australia. Today we do have an interview with the Energy Minister from South Australia, Dan Van Holst Pelican. We also have analysis of the Victorian renewable auction results, which were really very exciting and uh, announced on Tuesday, along with the two battery storage initiatives in those two states. But first, let's get to Canberra. Um, Confirmation here that the Morrison government is really not going to do anything on climate and certainly nothing on energy policy. Uh, Prime Minister Morrison has said that they're not going to quit the Paris Climate Agreement, but effectively they will in any way because they've decided that they're actually not going to increase their already weak targets of 26 to 28% by 2030. So that basically means... Um, really just sticking a middle finger up to the international climate process and the whole international process at United Nations levels. The target that Australia currently has was part of the down payments that all countries were expected to, were required to make. And then most countries were expected to lift these in the next couple of years, particularly in 2019. But Morrison has made it clear that if the coalition stays in power, that they will not be doing anything. Now, that's probably not surprising. Morrison is surrounded by climate sceptics and anti-renewable activists wherever he goes. They're on the back bench, they're in his ministry, they're in his own, um, they're in his own room. His chief of staff, as we said before, is a former six and a half year veteran of the Minerals Council where he was chief executive and then head of government lobbying at Rio Tinto. He's the new energy minister, as we said, Andrew, Angus Taylor is um, a long time anti-wind campaigner and his environment minister Melissa Price is even doubting the uh, climate science um, as she was reported in um, in the West during the week. Um, I guess one bit of good news is that they've actually found a new energy source in Canberra, um, something called FDP, that's feed income power. Um, we think it might be renewable because it's basically supplied by hot air and a lot of bollocks. Um, really we're talking here about coal power this is their attempt at uh, trying to jawbone prices down. Um, they're quite intent on having new coal-fired generation. Angus Taylor last week was telling Alan Jones that there's way too much wind and solar in the grid, so he wants to do something about it. Um, he's going to have to sit and watch while another five or seven gigawatts of wind and solar gets added to the grid. But he's quite determined to have more feed income coal-fired generation added to the grid. Quite how he manages to do that um, is beyond belief. But... Um, there you go. But look, let's leave the Canberra politics um, aside. Apart from mentioning that there is an attempt, as we wrote a couple of weeks ago, or last week actually, 
amongst some very frustrated business lobbies and other people to actually engage with Labor and the Labor states um, on where they go forward on energy policy and possibly the National Energy Guarantee, um, presuming and probably hoping that there is a change of government come early next year when the election is held. It must be held by the end of May, but we don't know exactly when. But look, while Canberra is come to a crashing halt, the states are moving on, and it was fascinating to see in South Australia this last weekend on Saturday, they announced the details of their $100 million scheme to provide subsidies, yes, that dirty word, subsidies, to battery storage to in help with the installation of battery storage in 40,000 homes in South Australia. The interesting thing here is that since their win in the election, they've done a couple of tweaks to their um, plan. They've One, they've actually sort of graded it, so low-income households get a greater subsidy. They expect to pay up to $6,000 per installation at the start, but will rapidly decrease this as the cost of batteries come down. They've decided to make sure that all the batteries are, um, have capability to talk to each other and be controlled, so you get the prospect of having virtual power plants, which act kind of like gas gen peaking generators and being able to deal with peak demand. Um, plus, they've also got $100 million from the Clean Energy Finance Corporation to provide low-interest loans or zero-interest loans to help people with the upfront cost of battery storage and rooftop solar. So look, we're fortunate enough to get the South Australian Energy Minister, Dan Van holst Pelican on the phone, on his way in Canberra, actually, to meet up with Angus Taylor. And here is what Minister Pelican had to say. Minister, thanks for joining the Energy Insiders podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much, Charles. Look, you've been in power for six months now and you've unveiled the details of the long-awaited home battery scheme. What have you decided and why have you decided on some of the key design aspects? Well, I suppose if I, if I just start with a, a bit of philosophy first and then get into the detail, uh, we did have an energy policy which we took to the election, which we are delivering, but we also wanted to be sure that we held on to uh, the, the positive and got rid of the negative components from our predecessors in government. Um, and so, for example, we, we had a, a household battery scheme. The previous government had the, what they called the Tesla VPP, and we decided to run with both of those because I thought they were both good programs. This particular program, which we developed before the election and are now delivering, uh, is about giving a subsidy and a loan towards households so that they can purchase uh, a household battery and solar panels as well if they don't already have them. A subsidy of up to $6,000. Subsidy is actually means tested as well so that families that are concession, energy concession card holders will get a higher subsidy to help them a little bit more. We want mm -hmm. these households and 40,000 of them over four years to um, be able to get access to this equipment, have it installed uh, without having to put any money up front. We want them to benefit uh, you know, very well from, from that investment. But perhaps even more importantly, we want 40,000 plus homes to be able to connect through storage, peak solar generation early afternoon with peak demand early evening. And when they can do that, then every other electricity consumer in the state benefits as well because we will have taken 40 plus thousand households off the grid at peak demand time. That takes pressure off the grid, that reduces prices, and everybody else gets a better deal as well. 
Indeed, I think um, there's talk about um, you know having creating through the scheme 150 megawatt to 250 megawatt uh, um, virtual power plant, which is broadly equivalent to a, a, a gas peaking generator. It's interesting though that you're using subsidies because if we talk about the sort of the Australian political environment, there seems to be this movement away from subsidies. No, we don't. Let's let the market decide. Um, let's not have any subsidies. Why are you? And in fact, the Victorian government's also announced something um, smaller but similar um, today. Why are subsidies needed there? Yeah, look, that, that, that's a really good question. And and look, if, if if ever, whenever we can move away from subsidies, I'm very pleased to do that too as a, as a broad position. But I do think it's wise to use subsidies to help new technology get going, as, as was the case with regard to solar panels and wind farms and things. I mean, that was emerging technology. I don't really think those subsidies are needed any longer because that is now mature technology. But in the same vein, what we want to do for a four-year period is use a subsidy to enable households to get these batteries. And a household storage is a new and emerging and improving technology. And through this, we also want to create a market so that the price of this technology can go down. So I am comfortable that it's a sensible use of taxpayers' money to provide the subsidies. Very importantly, we're not subsidising the whole purchase price, but we certainly a significant amount of it. One of the most important aspects is that we're offering, through the support of Clean Energy Finance Corporation, a low interest loan for the household to purchase the rest of the equipment. Mm. And um, the other announcement that came a day later after this was the announcement by Sonnen, the German battery storage um, manufacturer, that it's going to be delivering a manufacturing plant in Adelaide that will build 10,000 um, units a year um, and 50,000 50, over the first five years. Um, that's a welcome addition. Manufacturing can obviously exist in a South Australian grid powered mostly by renewables. Yeah, look, look, yes, and, and we're very, very pleased uh, to, to have had that announcement. I mean, we, we initially had a program to provide the subsidy, then we, we were absolutely you know, committed to being able to offer slightly more support to lower income families. Then we wanted to be able to access the, the loan finance so that it wasn't necessary to have money up front. To have Sonnen commit to a new manufacturing facility with up to 450 jobs in the northern suburbs of South Australia is, is, is an outstanding uh, additional component uh, of, of this. This is something that the government's been working on for quite a long time, uh, and we're very pleased to have them. Now, Sonnen uh, will not be the only company that has the capacity to, to supply into our program. Every other company has the capacity to do that, uh, but we're, we're thrilled to have a brand new manufacturing uh, company come to to Adelaide to do this. Well, it goes it, it, it goes along the, um, the the talk about you know having these new um, clean energy technologies or these new clean tech um, manufacturing facilities because you've got Sanjeev Gupta also talking about the potential of an electric vehicle manufacturing plant somewhere in Adelaide. Yeah, which is which is again very positive. Now, um, you know Sanjeev Gupta and, and his uh, Gupta Family Group or GFG Alliance. Uh, as it's often called, is, is is doing some tremendous things in South Australia. They're uh, they're looking uh, through their arm, Cymex Zen Energy, at a lot of very positive um, energy developments. Mm. And yes, as you say, 
the potential to uh, manufacture electric cars in South Australia is uh, is a terrific concept. Yeah. Just going back to the battery storage facility, how essential was it in the terms of South Australia's electricity grid outlook? Because we we, we know that South Australia now is more than 50% um, basically wind and solar. Um, it's heading towards about 70% with the projects that are being committed already. You've got Sanjeev Gupta talking about another gigawatt of solar plus storage. So it was interesting to see in the Australian energy market operator recent plan suggesting that by 2025, the state's actually going to get pretty close to sourcing the equivalent of 100% of its demand um, through wind and solar. Now, you're acting by building another interconnector, which will hope which will enable the state, I presume, to be able to export at times or surplus capacity and import when, when, Correct. when, when there's a bit of a shortfall. But um, it's also quite that battery storage behind the meter is also quite crucial just to orchestrate that behind the meter because there's an awful lot of rooftop solar in South Australia and within a few years it may actually um, be generating the equivalent of state demand. Yeah, look, it's forecast to be generating the equivalent of state demand for, for very short periods of time and that is something that we do need to address. Um, but look, those sorts of uh, renewable energy generation figures from, from you know, are fantastic, absolutely outstanding. But a key difference between the Marshall Liberal government and the previous Labor government is with regard to harnessing that generation. In South Australia, we are outstandingly good at making electricity from sun and wind. And, and we all know it, we all agree, and we all think it's fantastic. But until that can be delivered on demand when consumers, whether it be the small household or the large business, needs it, we haven't actually achieved that much. So what we, we're about harnessing that renewable energy. Um, we have very high penetration and I'm very comfortable with that, but we must be able to harness it at the household level and at the grid scale level. Uh, and that's exactly what our energy plan um, is, is intended to do, will do. Uh, and this, this announcement with regard to the household batteries is a key part of that. And we'll have more to say about grid scale storage very soon. Can I just ask you about the federal political environment at the moment? Um, we've heard from the federal sure, government, yeah, of course. the coalition government, that the NEG is effectively dead. Um, are you disappointed with that? And what's your next move? There's talk about the states getting together maybe and talking with business groups and other stakeholders to try and um, achieve or you know retrieve some part at least of that guarantee. Yeah. Well, look, I don't think it's um, it's it's going to uh, you know blow anybody's mind that that really all of us were frustrated by what we saw in Canberra couple of weeks ago, regardless of people's political preferences, that, that was a frustrating period. Um, from a South Australian energy perspective, I think that we were very close to getting uh, national agreement on energy policy, which is something that we need. So uh, disappointing that we didn't reach it. I'm optimistic that we will still reach it. Um, you know, I've had discussions and I've got a meeting today, in fact, with new Federal Energy Minister Angus Taylor. Um, this is something that I think everybody understands that we must achieve soon, uh, and and I will certainly put South Australia's position forward, uh, you know, very strongly with regard to those discussions with other states and the federal government. We do need that national policy so that investors have some certainty, so that investors, regardless of whatever generation or transmission or, or, or any other investment they might make so that they have some security that they can place their money where they know the equipment is going to be used and they can get a return. And without that, 
without that, consumers have nothing. If we don't have generation, if we don't have transmission and distribution and on and on, uh, consumers don't have electricity. And what would you be proposing to Mr. Taylor today? Um, is this just looking at the reliability component of the guarantee then? Well, um, in South Australia, uh, we are, as, as we've just discussed a few minutes ago, well ahead of the rest of the nation with regard to renewable energy penetration and uh, reduction in emissions. So, so that's incredibly important, but it's not our pressure point. So certainly reliability and driving prices down uh, is, is going to be the, the, the core of the conversation today. Minister, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Giles. And that was the South Australian Energy Minister, Dan Van Holst-Pelican. I do wish to point out that uh, the South Australian uh, government is a liberal government, it's a coalition government, it's a conservative government, but you've just heard the minister talking about all the possibilities with renewables and storage and, um, and the way forward and pretty excited about the new manufacturing industries that they're going to get with the source of energy, which apparently is supposed to destroy all such things. Well, it was interesting, two days after the South Australia... Um, oh, sorry, I should also point out that um, a day after the South Australian announcement, Sonnen, the German battery storage maker, came out to confirm its plans to build a manufacturing facility, as we mentioned in the interview. We do have an interview with Christoph Ustermann. He is the founder and CEO of Sonnen, and you'll be able to listen to that when we produce our Solar Insiders podcast, which will be Wednesday or Thursday, so please look out for that. So it wasn't just South Australia talking about subsidies for battery storage, it was also Victoria. Victoria on Tuesday announced a slightly smaller scheme, 10,000 homes, $40 million of funds, once again about half of the upfront cost, up to about $4,800, scaling downwards. Uh, this follows their previously announced scheme that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was to provide uh, upfront rebates and zero interest loans for 650,000 homes over the next 10 years to install rooftop solar based around four kilowatts on each rooftop. That would add a massive 2.6 gigawatts of rooftop solar to the Victorian grid, which is really quite exciting. So that battery storage is a welcome announcement, also comes with their solar hot water incentive scheme. So things moving there and look, it shouldn't go um, unremarked that this is a pre-election bid. They are going to the polls in November, so the battery storage component will be subject to the Victorian Labor government being re-elected. And um, I think it's a reasonably close-run thing at the moment, even though the Victorian coalition remains dead set against anything renewables or even climate, much like their federal um, partners. Now look, the other interesting thing to talk about is the Victorian Renewable Energy Auction. Um, it was announced also today. Uh, remember this was announced um, first sort of previewed last year. They were looking for 650 megawatts of mostly wind but some solar capacity. Uh, the, announce, the results have finally come out. The results were so good and the offers so cheap that Victoria has actually decided to contract 928 megawatts of large-scale wind and solar. There's three wind farms, including the Dundonna wind farm, which is 336 megawatts, and the Mortlake South wind farm, which is 157 megawatts, which will also have battery storage. And there's three solar farms varying from about 34 megawatts to 160 megawatts. So that's a pretty exciting development. Now, look, what's really interesting about this scheme is that it's a really clever design. It's um, run on basically three components. So the, assume, the assumed price for the electricity 
for the wind generation was $56 a megawatt hour. Now, if you think about Victorian wholesale prices, they've been running at about $90 to $100 a megawatt hour. So the way the contract for difference works is that if the price stays above the strike price, that $56 a megawatt hour for the wind farms, that means that th that excess money that those wind farms receive will actually be paid back to the Victorian government. So the Victorian government actually gets paid for these wind farms to be built and started operating. If the Victorian wholesale electricity price falls to $56 a megawatt hour, then it's revenue neutral thing. It costs the Victorian government nothing and it costs consumers nothing. But good news is wholesale prices have been brought down to that level. If the wholesale price actually falls below $56 a megawatt hour, which everyone would really like because that means it's really, really cheap prices, then Victoria government does have to make up the difference to make sure that these wind farms get the $56 that they contracted to get. But here's the really interesting thing. It seems as that those wind farms, the competition in the auction came around about a revenue cap. So the wind farms were sort of saying, that's where the competition came. So some wind farms might have said, well, we'll just have a, put a cap on that contract and those payments of say $50 million or $100 million or $150 million. Whatever the sum is, we don't actually know, but we're gonna try and find out. But what that means is, is that the Victorian government has actually brought in nearly a gigawatt of new renewable energy energy it will bring down the prices if it brings down the prices too far then its exposure to those fallen prices will be limited and capped so it's, it's really remarkable um a remarkably clever thing that they've constructed here it's an advance on the act government scheme which had a similar difference contract for difference which basically meant that um it would benefit if prices remained high but um, it had to make up the payments if prices actually went down but it's probably even cleverer than that because it does produce this cap there were also some base payments for which were additional to the um that contract for difference, but my understanding is that none of the wind farms actually requested any extra money along those lines, and it's yet to be seen whether the solar farms did the same thing. So what does that tell us? It means that wind farms could make a handy sum at just $56 a megawatt hour. The true cost of wind farms is probably well below that. Some people are talking in the $40 a megawatt hour, and I think that needs to be put into context of the general discussion about electricity prices, because it certainly puts a nonsense to this idea that clean coal or any sort of coal, feed income coal or whatever it is, can get anywhere close to renewables and storage. And um, I think with these further auctions and some storage auctions coming along, um, hopefully sometime soon with Queensland and the Renewables 400 auction, then we're actually going to see the hard evidence that wind and solar plus storage making it fully dispatchable as we have seen in the US in recent auctions are going to be far far cheaper than anything that the fossil fuel boys can offer. So look that's that um, three big pieces of news um, complete in action and um, idiocy and stupidity in Canberra followed by some really interesting um, initiatives from the state governments, a coalition state government in South Australia, which is heading towards 100% renewables by 2025. That at least is the assessment of the Australian energy market operator and the Victorian government with the Labor government there pushing towards 40% by 2025. But probably with results like this, 
getting there a lot earlier. So look, we hope to have some more for your webcast uh, podcast next week. Please also check into the Solar Insiders podcast. Um, that will have the solid interview plus more news with Nigel Morris. Um, also take note of our The Driven podcast. This is the podcast that goes with our electric vehicle website. This week we had Alan Finkel, the chief scientist on there, talking about his love and interest in electric vehicles and also his view about the hydrogen economy. And he had some interesting things to say about charging patterns and how electric vehicles and their immense amount of storage if you think of 50% of the fleet going electric and what that may or may not be able to contribute to the electricity grid. I'd just like to finish by thanking our sponsors which are Solaray Energy and Watchers, both long-time sponsors of this podcast. We do appreciate their support and I hope you do too and thanks for listening. Bye for now. Energy Insiders was brought to you by Solaray Energy, leading innovators of smart energy management technology. Experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, they're the smart choice for consumers and business. Visit solaray.com.au and secure your energy future today. Energy Insiders was also brought to you by Wattwatches, makers of ultra-smart devices to manage electricity use and costs. Accurately monitor and control electrical circuits over the internet in real time. Visit whatwatches.com.au and take control of your energy use.